The following is a message from Durkeetown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeetown, please visit our website at www.durkeetown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. If you want to join me there and follow along as I read, I'll give you a minute to get there. And that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We'll read all the way through verse 9. Paul says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is God's word, and it is for our good. I hope you were paying attention during the reading of our text. If you were, you would see that in the time of the Corinthians, there was a lot of pride and a lot of immaturity. I've struggled with these things in my life, and I think a lot of you really connected with the stories I told last week, so I figured this week I'd tell another story about uh, young Brian Herrick as he was growing up and, and some of the things that he struggled with. I can still see myself, you know, sitting in the lunchroom over on Dix Avenue in the elementary school uh, that was there. Now it's different. It's like an intermediary school or something like that. It's different grades now. Setup is different. But I could see myself sitting in that lunchroom and all my friends are talking about, you know, their family members, their accomplishments, the things that they've done. And a little bit of jealousy arose up in me. And I I needed to, in some way, make myself feel important. Make myself feel as if I had value. And so I concocted a story in my head that I was going to tell my friends. Uh, Obviously an, an untrue story, right? But I had to one-up them, so, and I'm about to date myself. You're going to figure out when exactly it was I was coming up through elementary school. But, um, you know, I blurted out, yeah, well, uh, my uncle is Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Right? I had a problem with honesty as well as a child. (laughs) And, and, And to be sure... No one there believed that my uncle was Hulk Hogan. In fact, the the truth of that story, uh, there is a kernel of truth, which is that 
my uncle one time had a friend or a relative who dressed up as Hulk Hogan and went to a party. <laughs> so, you know, in my head, it would be cooler, and I exaggerated the truth, right? I, I said, Hulk Hogan is my uncle. And now I'm not even so sure I'd, I'd really want to be associated with Hulk Hogan. But at the time, he was one of the biggest stars in the world, right? It was like him and Michael Jordan, maybe a few others, that around the world, his name was instantly recognizable. And what did that afford me? Well, mockery in the end. It didn't afford me much of anything. I didn't get what I wanted from it, which was value and importance. You see, the Corinthians in our passage today were struggling with much the same kind of thing. They were struggling with pride. They were struggling with immaturity. They were concerned about human judgment. They wanted to have all of the value and importance that a person like Paul in the church would give them, or Apollos in the church would give them. They weren't concerned about God's judgment and how God viewed them. The truth of the matter is, the Corinthians already had value. They just didn't see it. It's just like me. I had value uh, before God. I had value before my friends. But I had to take it that extra step, didn't I? had to have pride and immaturity and try and give myself what I thought was more important. And this was the same way with the Corinthians. And in the last part of chapter 2, which I'll go back and read eventually, we see that the Corinthians did already have that value. It was already there. It was already in access. It was within hand's reach of the Corinthians. My hope for you today is that we will be able to not make those same mistakes that the Corinthians made. My hope is that for you is that we together can move forward in maturity. So let's pray to that end. Let's ask God's blessing over the preaching of his word. Father God, I pray uh, for your people. I pray that they would be mature Christians, that we can learn today from the mistakes that maybe even well-meaning Christians in the past have made at the very beginning of the church, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would learn from them to not be infants, but to be full-grown, mature, adult Christians in our walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way, that your spirit would lead me in the preaching of your word. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says this, you are not yet ready. That's what he says to the Corinthians. And he opens with this line. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So there's two questions that come out of that. What is a spiritual person? Now, to understand what Paul means by a spiritual person, I think we have to move back a little bit in our text today. So if you will, just we got to shift our eyes up just a little bit to get the context of this passage. But I'm going to start reading back from verse 12 in chapter 2. This is what Paul says. And it, and it kind of caught me. It, it, it made me uh, kind of awestruck by what Paul is saying here, particularly about spirit persons or spirit, spiritual people. This is what Paul says. He says, now we have received not the spirit 
of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's an incredible statement by Paul. It's mind-blowing to me. And it gives me such confidence, such confidence when when I think about it. But Paul's really calling people, mature, spiritually mature people, to be bold in the things of the faith. Why? Well, because of the indwelling of the Spirit. Paul further, you know, talks about what that means. Uh, that this spiritual things that, uh, that we have to understand spiritually are things that are freely given to us. They are imparted to us in words. God's Word. So when we are indwelled with the Spirit and when we rely on His Word, we truly are of the mind of Christ. And in this sense, no one certainly outside of the faith can lay judgment upon us. Really, no one can lay judgment upon us because no one has understood the mind of the Lord and we have the mind of Christ. But the truth is, we as Christians don't always act like that. And that's not how the Corinthians were acting either. You see, he had to address them as persons of the flesh. Well, what does that mean? Well, it could mean unbeliever. It could mean someone who hasn't given themselves over to Christ. But more likely in this case, what we're talking about is someone who is, as Paul says, an infant in the faith or who is acting as merely human. That's another cool phrase that Paul uses here, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later on. But we can't be people of the flesh. And what do people of the flesh do? They don't accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to Him, and you're not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When we're not living by the Holy Spirit, when we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to elucidate to us what is in His Word, and we don't understand or read His Word, that's when we struggle with the things of God, the spiritual nature of the things that God is trying to reveal to us. They become folly to us, and they're certainly folly to those who aren't following Christ. But we are supposed to move into something different. Paul talks about this all over Corinthians, but he talks about it in other places as well, such as Romans. But even in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about the resurrection, and he talks about what, what we have in store for us. He says that we're going to have a spiritual body. 
So it's, there's something physical about it, but there's also something physical about it. And he likens it to the same type of body that Jesus has in his resurrection. You know, there is a future aspect to that, but I believe there's an already aspect to that as well. We are to be living right now in the Spirit. And the Spirit is what helps us discern what God's will is from his word. So there's an already reality to this future promise that we are going to have these spiritual bodies. We will be one in will with Jesus and the Father. But Paul also talks about how the flesh gets in the way. That is no different for us, and it was no different for the Corinthians in Paul's time either. So what was the problem that the Corinthians were having? Well, Paul tells us. Starting in verse 3, he says this, For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely humans? Or human? We all are, after all, human, aren't we? Well, Paul says something different, right? We see what the problem is in Corinth. There's jealousy and there's strife. The Corinthians, and the way that this is practically working out for them in Corinth is that they're clout chasing. Much like when I was at the school lunch table at Dix Avenue when I was saying that I was Hulk Hogan's nephew, they were trying to attach themselves to the apostles, Paul, and to other disciples like Apollos who had done great work in Corinth. They wanted to be closely connected to that. They wanted the importance. They didn't want to be judged by others. And if they were judged by others, they wanted to be judged by others as having some kind of importance or clout before, before others because of who they followed. That was the problem in Corinth. Paul says that also that they were being merely human. This is what I meant by that already but not yet kind of aspect. We're, we're going to have a spiritual body. We don't yet have, you know, that spiritual body, but, but we're not merely human as Christians, are we? There is this real sense in which God has changed us, made us different. We are, as he says in Romans, a new creation. There's something that is supposed to have changed about us. Our very nature is different, and we're able to actually do what Deuteronomy calls us to do, to follow his law, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. We're able to do those things because of who we are. And in this life, there's still that corruption, that flesh that kind of seeps in, but we're also supposed to be heavenly. Paul, again, elaborates this on this in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says that we're going to eventually adopt the image of the heavenly Adam. That is Christ. 
we're going to adopt his image. But that's not what the Corinthians were doing here, and, and unfortunately, that is sometimes where we're stuck. We're stuck acting fleshly. So what is the solution? Well, Paul says this, and, and we can do this too. We, we can often try to attach ourselves to people who are bigger than us, you know. Uh, maybe I would have liked in today's, you know, world, oh, I want to be close to like a John Piper or, uh, you know, John MacArthur, maybe someone not named John, uh, R.C. Sproul, who's now gone. But you get my point, right? If I could get close to those people, oh, here's a good example. Uh, I was taught in school by uh, Steve Nichols. Maybe some of you guys don't know who Steve Nichols is. He's, the, he's taken over for R.C. Uh, at Ligonier. Uh, but he was my professor at uh, college. So I could easily attach myself to him and be like, look, aren't I cool? Because uh, I was hanging out with, with Steve, Dr. Steve Nichols, Dr. Steve Nichols. You know, he, he's a great guy. But the truth is, and, and Paul makes this clear, that he and Apollos are nothing. Starting in verse 5, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You know, there were a lot of people who invested, even in my life. We had uh, John and Connie Colvin visiting from Michigan uh, this morning uh, at St. At James. And I pointed them out at this point in, in the sermon and I said, you know, how grateful I am to them for their work and their labor in the Lord and what they did for my parents in getting them to church. And therefore, I also had to go to church. I wasn't so excited about it. But really, that was one piece of the puzzle that put me in this uh, with you, with all of Durkytown, made me a part of this family. And I don't know if I'd be here today without John and Connie Colvin. But even John and Connie Colvin would agree that without God doing a miraculous work in my life, their work would have been in vain. Their work would have been meaningless. I think all of us have felt this at times uh, in, in, a, in a practical way. I mean, how many of you have tried to plant gardens before? Have tried to take care of a plant? You know, you can water it, you can put it in the sun, you can do this with your outside gardens as well. You can do everything you can possibly uh, want to do and, and take absolute care of that garden, and nothing grows. And really, even in the natural world, God's in control of that as well. But he's in control of it in the supernatural world. I've known many pastors who have been dejected, frustrated, and I've talked to many of them. And I hope I've been some encouragement to them because I try to encourage them and say, it's not about you. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's not about us. It's about what God is doing. Without the supernatural intervention of God, no growth can happen in Christians. So the solution is God. The solution is, is prayer, being in prayer. And praying, if, if you're the one who's, who's trying to foster, disciple, water the, this person and bring them up in the Lord, and you're not seeing the growth, be in prayer. If, if maybe 
you think you haven't seen much growth in your own life, you need to be in prayer and asking God, the one who gives the growth, to give it to you, to grant it to you. This is where, again, our Corinthians, the people in Corinth are. Uh, David K. Lowry, uh, in the Bible Knowledge Commentary, discusses the state of the Corinthians. He says, at this time, their way of thinking and living was only beginning to be transformed. They were still greatly influenced by worldly thinking and behavior. You see, they were infants in Christ. But the message of the cross concerned more than justification. It also concerned sanctification. It called for renewal of attitude and action in response to God's revelation. Read that last part again for you. But the message of the cross is concerned with more than justification, for that is our salvation. It is also concerned with our sanctification, or us moving on in holiness, becoming more like God, becoming holy as He is holy. And it called for a renewal of attitude and action in response to God's revelation. I learned an important lesson the day that I claimed Hulk Hogan was my uncle. It only resulted in mockery. It only resulted in, in me not getting... Actually, I got exactly the opposite of what I was searching for. I didn't get importance. I didn't get value from that. I got nothing from it. In fact, I, I moved backwards. People didn't look at me, certainly as someone who was reliable and could tell the truth. You know, and those are things that can, that can put you back. Uh, but when we look to Christ and we look to his word and we rely on his Holy Spirit to teach us the spiritual things, the hidden things from his word, that's when we're, we're, we're really becoming mature as Christians. Last week we talked about this, right? Moving on, talking about what Jesus meant by you know, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. And understanding that our righteousness does exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees because our righteousness is in Christ. You see, God is both the provider and the end of our sanctification. It works its way out into both our attitude and our actions. Grace is both for our justification or our salvation and for our sanctification. So what does this all mean for us today? Well, we ought to have supreme confidence in the Lord, supreme boldness in the Lord. Paul talks about what a mature Christian looks like, like I said, in the previous chapter. We should be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, if we have the spirit of Christ indwelling us, we ought to have supreme confidence. We ought to have supreme boldness in the things that we talk about, in the way that we help each other, but also when we preach to people who don't know Christ. We also ought to have supreme humility in the Lord. Paul talks about this, I think, earlier in 1 Corinthians. Why, why do you act 
uh, as if you've been given a gift which you haven't received, something along those lines. We have been given a gift. Grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift to us. And sometimes we like to act as if it was something that we did that got us that gift. We ought to have supreme humility because without God, without God giving the growth in our lives, we also would be nothing. We would have nothing. So, God's grace in our life, God giving us growth in our life, God teaching us through the Spirit what His will and what His Word is ought to give us humility because it is only by an act of grace that we have anything at all. We also ought to have supreme unity in the Lord. The Corinthians were divided. Oh, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Paul even mentions that some were attaching themselves to Christ himself. But they were doing it out of a selfish motivation. We ought to have supreme unity in the Lord because of the grace that has been given all of us. And we truly are united in the Lord. Again, I think of John and Connie Colvin. Pastor Ken referred to them as my adopted parents uh, when, when he was there. And that's, it's so true. They did. They acted just like parents to me and to other kids uh, here at the church as well. And that's part of the unity. We become a family. We become, become part of one another's lives. There should be no jealousy or strife between us, no matter what our giftings are. And we all have different giftings. But we ha- have to have unity with one another. Unity because we are indwelled with the Spirit and we are united by His Word. This labor, as much as the growth belongs to God, God also says, and through Paul, also says this. Starting in uh, verse number 8. So verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. That's the unity that I was talking about. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. So there seems to be this eternal reward that people receive for the labor that they do in this life. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. A couple of different pieces of imagery there. I saw it down here when my son was looking through the, the kid's bulletin that he had. There's a a guy growing, and he's partially like a stalk of corn, and a, a, one of the other people is like part of the building. I thought that was interesting imagery uh, that was down there on the, on the children's bulletin. But what is that talking about? We are God's field. So God is the one, again, who gives the growth. Uh, we are God's building. That's temple imagery, isn't it? Each one of us is a building block uh, in the temple of God. Where does God reside? In his temple. So he resides in each one of us. So we will have our reward. But we ought not to be looking for that reward here amongst ourselves in, oh, clout, you know, pride. We should be looking for our reward from God. We should be looking 
for our growth from God, living with one another in unity. Your work will not go unrewarded. My hope is that each one of you sees fruit, whatever that looks like uh, here in this life, uh, when you're living out your Christian faith. That is my prayer uh, for you today. So let's pray together and thank God uh, for what we've learned this week from his word. Father, I thank you for uh, the work that you've done in me through this week. I pray that that work has been communicated to your people, that they would have heard, listened, and that they would do. I thank you, and, and Todd prayed this earlier, that we need to make you our focus. I pray that we would make you our focus. I pray that we would not be like the Corinthians. Their focus is on themselves. I pray that, Father, you would be the end and the goal of everything that we do in this life. I pray that we would learn about you in your scriptures, and that we would go out into the world in boldness and take that into your harvest field, Lord. Give us great revival and renewal in this area. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.